Thank you, Lord. So what we've been talking about, obviously, what I've been talking about a lot of is, is your promised land. Anybody moved into your promised land yet? By faith? Huh? Parts? Kind of one step in, one step back sometimes? Amen? I think really the biggest part of this is just recognizing and realizing that it's God's will for you to have a promised land. Sometimes we've been taught, we've been conditioned that we're not good enough, that this is it, that we're never going to get any farther or do any better because of the limitations. The cool thing about the promised land is there were no limitations. The only limitations that were in the promised land were the ones that the Israelites brought with them. Those were the only limitations. There were no limitations. How much of the land was theirs? How much did they end up inheriting? They never got it all. So that, who's, who's, who was that on, them or God? So how much of the promised land do we want? We want all of it, right? I don't want to be that one and a half tribe that stopped just short of the promised land and said, hey, this land looks pretty good. We'll just take this. See, what happens when you get closer and closer to your promised land, you are going to be, uh, there will be an opportunity to compromise what you're believing for. Satan will show up with something that looks like a promised land, feels like a promised land, smells like a promised land, but all you have to do is just stop here. Just stop a little short. This will be just as good. Do you know that that group that ended up with that one and a half, that one and a half tribes that did not enter in, that was the land of the Gadarenes, and that's where the demoniac was that Jesus had to deliver? These were the pig farmers that the Bible talks about in Matthew. Now, for a Jewish person to be a pig farmer, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. That was one of the one things that they could never touch, they could never eat, they couldn't even be around. I'm so glad God's let, God lets us eat bacon today. <laughs> Who had bacon at Thanksgiving? Just raise your hand. One, there you go. Bacon makes everything taste better. Don't know why we just said that, but there you, somebody needed to hear that this morning. But see, Satan will present you with an opportunity to come up just a little bit short. Listen, Adam and Eve were born in the garden. Amen? Adam and Eve were born in that garden. But for you and I to get into that garden or to get into our promised land, we have to be born again. Adam and Eve were born in it. They didn't have to use any faith for their food. They didn't have to use any faith for the gold. They didn't have to use any of their faith for anything. Everything was all around them. There was an abundance of everything in that garden. But for you and I, because of the fall and because of everything that Jesus did, we now, by faith, we have to enter into our promised land. So if you want to enter in, if you want to fully take hold of everything that God has for you, we have to do it by faith. Amen? I have to believe for it. Just because I come to church doesn't mean I'm going into the promised land. It's a good place to be. It's a safe place to be. It's a healthy place to be. But for me to enter in and to take, what's the word I'm looking for? If I want to take my place, what God, my, my, my inheritance, do we understand that we have an inheritance? Do you understand that your daddy is very, very rich? Are you in the will? Are you sure? Do we act like it? <laughs> 
Do we act like we're rich? We have to act like we're rich. We have to act like we belong here. You can tell when somebody scores their first touchdown by the dance that they do. If they do a crazy, crazy, run out of their minds dance, you can tell they've never been there before. But the guy that scores a touchdown every game, he just drops the ball down and walks back. He's used to being there. I think we need to get a little used to being there. Amen? We talk about the promised land, but by faith we have to act like we are in our promised land, that we are taking it by faith this morning. Say, I'm rich. That doesn't mean money. It's not money. Money's a part of it, but I'm rich because the Word of God dwells richly in me. And then if I have the Word of God dwelling richly in me, there's nothing that I can't do and there's nowhere I can't go. I would rather have God's favor than all the money in the world. All the money in the world can't heal your body. All the money in the world can't heal your marriage. All the money in the world can't bring your children back. But the favor of God, it will open doors that no man can ever shut. But you got to believe that you're worthy to have it. You got to believe that it's God's will for you to live this good life that Ephesians talks about. 1 John 5:14. 1 John 5:14. Have you enjoyed reading through the Bible, the New Testament? I'm excited to get into the book of Revelation tomorrow. I like in times and I pray that the Lord will give me an opportunity to go back and do some teaching on it because that is one of my favorite subjects to teach on. 1 John 5:14 says, and this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. And if since we positively, positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have been granted us our present possessions, the request made of him. Amen? Faith begins where the will of God is known. That's where faith always begins. We have to know what's God's will for me in order for me to have faith to do it. Is it God's will for all men to be saved? How do we know? Where is it written? It's in Timothy, right? For it's God's will. He even says it this way. For it's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So do I know God's will concerning salvation for all men? Amen. So because I know his will, when I go to him, I know that we're on the same page that he's going to answer me because I'm asking something according to his will. So now I have faith to believe because it's his will that I can have. So when you pray for your when your loved ones, when you're praying for your coworkers, when you're praying for our politicians, and we should be praying for our politicians right now, when we are praying for those that are in our life, we know that we're praying God's will because it's his will for all men to be saved. Therefore, I, my faith can be built in that area. I know it's his will. So um, I kind of want to go back. Who watched Tuesday night? Did anybody watch Tuesday night, the, the, the midweek service? Somebody not named Pigeon watched the service? Okay. <laughs> but I keep going back to this story of the centurion. Amen. And I've read it over and over and over. And it was in Matthew chapter 8. 
And I kind of just started in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, and kind of went through the miracles that Jesus was doing. And he, he healed the leper. You know, the leper approached Jesus. Jesus had just come down off of a big mountain, had just preached to thousands and thousands. And as he's coming down, a leper meets him and says, the leper says, if it be your will, Jesus, will you heal me? And Jesus says, I will, and he heals him. But then right after that, a centurion comes up to Jesus. And a centurion was a captain over a hundred in the Roman army. So this was a, a captain of the Roman army. Had a hundred men under him. And so this centurion comes to Jesus and he pleads with him. The Bible says pleads with him. And he says, my servant, he's at home, he's sick, he's paralyzed, he, he needs help. Jesus, if you'll just come, will you heal him? And Jesus says, I will come. And the centurion says something that just baffles Jesus. He says, no, 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 I'm not worthy that you would even come under my roof, but just speak a word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus backs off and he looks around and he goes, in all of Israel, I've never seen such great faith. Great faith. Now, the centurion, excuse me one sec. The centurion this is what the Lord kind of showed me a little bit later as I was reading this. It's not that just the centurion understood authority. It's that the centurion recognized Jesus as the highest authority. And I think sometimes you and I, we might miss it sometimes when it comes to this area. At that time, Rome was the government of Israel. There was nothing higher than Rome. The Romans had, had Israel. They were in captivity. They made all the decisions. There were governors. There were Caesars and all that. Israel had no formal government at that time. It was Rome. The Sanhedrin was the religious government that Israel had. That's the highest thing. That's why if you were the high priest, you were the highest ranking person in Israel. There was no one higher than you. All you had was the religious, you had the Sanhedrin. That's it. So here comes Jesus walking through. This centurion looks at Jesus and says, I'm not going to take my servant to the Roman government, the highest government in the land. I'm not going to take my servant to the Sanhedrin, the highest religious organization in the land. I recognize Jesus as the highest, his authority was greater than mine. And for that centurion to say that, the centurions at that time, they kind of liked themselves a little bit. I mean, these were a conquering force that left destruction wherever they went. They were not used to playing nice with others. But yet he recognized in Jesus who the real authority was. Now, maybe he had been in Matthew chapter 6, maybe he had been in that crowd and heard Jesus preaching about seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Maybe he was there. Maybe he heard that. But the Bible says that he went and he pleaded his case. And that word plead is the same legal term that we use today. The many times I stood before a judge, they asked me, Jack, how do you plead? I'm guilty. Oh, yeah, guilty. Oh, yeah, that would be guilty too. 
How do you plead? What this centurion did is he put himself in the place of like a defense attorney, and he took the case of his sick servant to the highest authority in the land, and he pled his case. He recognized who the highest authority was. He could have pled his case to Caesar. Wasn't enough. Could have pled his case to the Sanhedrin. Wasn't enough. But he recognized the authority that Jesus had, and he pled his case to the highest supreme court. But in order for you to plead a case, you've got to have one thing. What is it? Evidence. What evidence does a centurion have to go to God that would hold up in the court of heaven? Faith. Your faith is the evidence that the court of heaven is looking for to grant what you're believing for. What evidence have you produced to correspond with what you're believing? It takes faith. See, we go to God, oh God, help me, help me, Lord, help me. And those are good prayers. Been there, done that. But what the court of heaven is saying is, is I need some evidence. You're asking me to act on what evidence are you asking me to make this judgment for you? That's when we say, mighty God, I am coming to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. He now becomes my defense attorney. He gives me power of attorney to act in the same stead as Jesus does. And as I began to spend time in the Scripture and in the Word, and I began to meditate in the Word, all of a sudden my evidence begins to grow. So that when I present my petition before the court of heaven, the, the, the evidence is overwhelming. Now here's some cool things. Healing already been paid for. You no longer have to produce any evidence for healing. Jesus' blood is the evidence for healing. You can go to the court of heaven right now, and you can receive healing, no questions asked. Just by faith. Just by receiving it right here, right now. If you're dealing with sickness in your body, just say right now, say, Jesus, I submit my faith to you. I receive healing into my body, both mental and physical, in Jesus' name. Now, that's already been paid for. You don't have to have a retrial. It's already been paid for. You can already, right now, by faith. Now, when it comes to finances and stuff, it takes two people. God does not, when we ask for money, God doesn't send a rocket ship with money in it. Does he? Does he do that for you? Because if he does, I want to come hang out with you and see what you're doing. But when we believe God for finances, it takes two people. It takes two people listening to God. One person asking in faith and another person listening in faith. Come on. When it comes to those types of things, if I'm believing God for finances... 
then I'm going to believe God and say, Lord, I'm going to sow my seed. I'm going to believe God. But somebody else is going to have to pick up the phone and say, you know what, Lord, use me in this area. I want to be a blessing to somebody. How many of you want to be a blessing to somebody? I would so much rather uh, give than receive this year. Amen. I really think this is a season to give. I think the world needs to see the church give right now and give big. They need to see the church be the church in Jesus' name. Amen? I want you to notice something about the centurion. The centurion went to Jesus. There are times that Jesus, like the person that was on the five porches, and every time the angel would trouble the water, uh, everybody would kind of have this weird scene of trying to get down into the water, and the first one that got there would get healed. Jesus went specifically to that man to heal him. Do you see that? In this situation, the centurion went to Jesus. Sometimes your faith is going to bring Jesus to you. There's going to be other times, though, that your faith is going to send you to Him. And sometimes we get those mixed up. We keep waiting for someone to come to us and do something, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 you need to get up and you need to come to me in faith. You need to pursue what you're pursuing. It's not a matter of just sitting and waiting. Listen, faith is not just for those things that are out of my control. Like if I needed a million dollars tomorrow, I would have to go to God for that. Some of you were like, well, you don't have that? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I do. I would have to go to the Lord immediately because getting that million dollars before tomorrow is completely and totally out of my control, right? I have to believe God for that. But what about the things that are in my control? Do I have to use my faith for those too? Absolutely. See, the just shall live by faith. Faith is not just using something that's outside of my realm or outside of my comfort zone. What God wants us to do is He wants us to live by faith every day. I want to get to that point every day where I'm hearing God's voice. I want to get to that point every day where I'm not just using my faith for the things that I, I can't get, but for those things that I do on a regular basis. Is God concerned about where your children go to school? Are we using our faith on that? Do we have control over that? Absolutely. We just think, well, we have no control over any of this. They're making us do this. That's not true. We have all the control because we have faith. Your faith can change the situation in any school your child is in right now in Jesus' name. But the problem is, is you're bringing your evidence to the wrong court. We're appealing to the school district. We're appealing to the teacher. We're appealing to the principal. We're not appealing it to the court that can change something, and that's God. What is our evidence? What court? Who do I feel like is the most, the highest court that, I'm, that I get my supply from? It's God. Amen? Look at me. When all this turkey wears off and everybody's awake and you're driving home, you're going to get this, and you're going to be really excited about it. Amen? You're going to be thrilled at what I just said. It's not the pumpkin pie that's sitting at home that you're going to finish off. It's this. It's that God is the highest court in the universe and that you have favor with this court. And if you will present his word as evidence, whatever it is that you're believing for, you can have. 
Because it's his will that you have it. How do I know it's his will? Because you have to go to the word and you have to find it. Quit waiting for everything to be done by somebody else. You've got to spend time building your case. I went to God and I prayed an entirely different way the other day for the things that I'm believing for. Completely different. I said, Father, I appeal to you as the highest court in the world. I appeal to you as my Father. And Lord, I am laying this evidence of what I'm believing for in front of you. And I listed off five, six, eight, nine, ten scriptures said, Father, according to this, and according to this, and according to this. Now, Lord, and here's where that first scripture, that scripture comes back that I just read, 1 John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, say anything, according to His will, He hears us. Verse 15. And if we know that He hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the, what's the next word? Petition. petition. That's another legal word. The petition that we have asked from him. I think we got to be more serious about our asking. I think we flippantly just throw things out there sometimes and we don't do anything to produce any evidence of what we're really believing for. I will make you this statement, and I, I will back it up. I have received every single thing I have ever believed for. Every single thing I have ever believed for, I've gotten. But there's a whole lot of stuff that I just threw one line in the water to see if something bit, and if it didn't happen, I just moved on. If we will do the steps of faith, if we will take the time and spend time in His Word and meditate in God's Word and let His words fill our thoughts, your faith will grow. And you'll get to the point where you're not afraid to ask, where you're not ashamed to ask. we got a big God with deep pockets. He's not going to run out. He healed two people at the same time once. Two people at once. He got a twofer. He didn't have to stop and go back and take a nap because he got two. He healed two blind men at one time. He went up in the mountains between Matthew 6, 7, and 8 and healed everybody that came to him. Cast out the devil and healed people. His power is endless. You cannot, he cannot be tapped out. The only thing that limits God, just like the woman with the oil, when the oil, when the, when the containers ran out, the oil stopped. When our demand upon the anointing stops, that's when it stops. There's enough for everybody. So let me ask you, what do you need? What do you need? What do you believe in God for this morning? Do you have any evidence to back up what you're asking for? I'm going to do, talk about this next Sunday. But if you had faith, you would say. The centurion went to Jesus and said. His words backed up what he believed. If you are believing God for something, you should be saying how many times today have you said what you're believing for? Once, twice, five times, ten times? Are you thanking Him for what you're believing Him for? If you had faith, 
you would say. So conversely, if you don't have faith, you don't say. It's saying. Amen? When we go into the court, we're saying, we're telling the judge what we believe. We're telling the judge about our evidence. We are telling that jury, this is what we have. So I want to encourage us. How about a debt-free Christmas? Sound good? Everybody woke up all of a sudden when I said that. How would you like to get a visa bill that says zero because you didn't put any Christmas on it this year or it's paid for in full in Jesus' name? This is how you do it. First, find somebody else and sow into their Christmas. It's all done by sowing and reaping. Find somebody. Say, we want to, we're believing God for our Christmas, so let me do this. Let me sow into yours. Because every seed produces after its own kind. Amen? Be a blessing to somebody else. But if I had faith, I would say, appeal your case to the highest court in Jesus' name. Sound good? Amen. Let's stand up.